Welcome to Strictly Jojo, a podcast dedicated to Jojo's Bizarre Adventure, where every Jojo episode is reviewed by casuals for casuals. My name is Courtney. <laughs> and this is episode 20, and we're reviewing part two, Battle Tendency, Young Caesar. That Young Caesar. <laughs> oh, God. As always, there'll be spoilers for this episode and anything that's happened in the Jojo anime, so you've been warned. I don't know if we're ready to talk about this one. This is going to be a, a heavy discussion for a heavy episode. I didn't even realize that this was the episode. I thought we had like a an episode cushion to mentally prepare, but I was wrong. Nope. They uh, gave us a lot of Caesar content oh. and then ripped him from our lives all in one 25-minute episode. Yeah, it was, that was a lot. But before we get into... This hopefully not too depressing discussion about Caesar. We want to give a huge some happier shout out. news. Yeah, some happier news. We want to give a huge shout out to our newest patron, Rob. Woohoo! Thanks, thank Rob. Yeah, thank you so much for supporting us. We really appreciate it, um, and hopefully, you continue to enjoy our Strictly JoJo podcast. If you'd like to support the show and get access to things like mini episodes and bonus content our show schedule, submit questions for us to answer on our podcast and in our patron-only Q&A, then head to patreon.com slash the Strictly Series. And now back to depression. (laughs) (sighs) Yeah. Oh, man. Okay, so let's jump right into it. I want to talk about this one because a lot happens, but not a lot happens. You were looking (laughs) at me like waiting for me to say it. (laughs) All right, we're just going to go straight into it. I think we should. Just rip the Band-Aid off. I know. No more dragging it out. (laughs) Caesar's big episode and final final episode. episode. (laughs) Yeah, let's go ahead and just, like I said, rip the Band-Aid off. I mean, I'm still at a loss for words on what to say about (laughs) about this episode. Because like I said, I... Didn't realize that I thought it was going to be an, a whole episode of just, you know, flashback about Caesar. And, you know, we've talked about this probably on Strictly Jojo, but I know in Strictly Anime about that trope, not just in anime, but just pop culture, media in general, of getting these flashbacks and these intense character focused episodes on one specific character that kind of has the intent, like, it leaves you with the like inferring that this character is going to die like within the next couple episodes or so yeah and in this case it was right away they just they just put it out there and there are other i can think of a couple of other anime that did the same thing with a very um influential or important character but yeah as soon as the first time i watched this as soon as they took the time in the middle of this pursuit of the pillar men and all this shit going down to to look at Caesar's backstory. I was like, this guy's gonna fucking die. <laughs> he is dead. Yeah. And I mean, part of it is kind of expected because, as we saw with part one, um, I think this episode kind of brings the series back into focus on the theme of like we've talked about family, of course, with Joe Stars, but now we're s- focusing specifically on uh, the Zeppeli family and how the theme of fate and destiny ties into um, Caesar's story. And I think there haven't really been any high stakes yet with this part. Correct me if I'm wrong, but I would say like this is probably the most significant event to happen to Joseph, besides getting those rings stuck in him, right? Like now he has like really thick, or like he has more skin in this game to take down the pillar man because of Caesar's death. 
Yeah, 100%. And it's kind of sad that Caesar and Joseph's last moment together was their argument from the previous episode. Um, but despite that, I think they realize their friendship and their, their special bond because um, they've had other moments where they're at each other's throats or, you know, not not too happy with, with the other one. But they always kind of come back around to their friendship. And I kind of think like overall in this episode, Caesar had several opportunities to avoid death. First off, you know, listening to Joseph in the previous episode and not going by himself to face the Pillarmen. And then I would also say if um, Messina didn't get fucking wrecked by Wamu, <laughs> then maybe they would have stood a chance because it would have been two against one. Um, I also think if Joseph and Lisa Lisa didn't linger so long walking up to the hotel and sitting in the courtyard, that maybe mm-hmm. they could have done something to help him as well. Because I was like, the, I didn't realize it until this third time watching um, part two or this particular episode that they kind of just take forever. (laughs) Yeah, they're like, oh, we're going to go help him even though he's about to fight, you know, the the strongest beings in the universe. Let's just kind of take our time walking over to the hotel. But then when they get to the, um, when they get to the the hotel and they're in front of it, they see Messina's arm and they see the hole in the wall. But then like, there's all this stuff that happens inside of the hotel with Wamu and Caesar and yet they're still outside. And then they, they cut back to them and they're just hiding behind like a, half-broken wall that's sticking out of the ground. I'm like, why are you hiding? Go help him. You know he's in there. Yeah, it's kind of like the uh, last episode with the cabin where they're in that separate room and all that stuff with Stroheim and Cars is going down and like it takes a while for them to realize what's going on. Yeah. Um, but, you know, you kind of just have to forgive all of that because this is, this is Caesar's moment to shine and to Shinderu <laughs> or whatever, <laughs> or Shine or whatever the Japanese term is. I, I also do want to comment on the animation in this episode, which is fantastic. It's probably one of the, the nicest or best animation um, that we get in part two. And you can tell they allocated a lot of the budget here. And for good reason, because this is an important moment for that story and for Caesar and for Joseph. I did note, too, that a lot of the key frames or the key shots of like Joseph or Caesar or Wamu's faces closely resemble the future art style of part three with like the, the sharp chin, mm-hmm. um, the lines down the cheeks, the very um, rectangular type of eyes. I mean, they're not literally rectangles, but if you picture like Jotaro in part three, and then you look at the shots um, of those three guys' faces up close, it does kind of resemble that art style. So it's kind of cool that we got a little bit of a nod of what part three would look like. I was going to say they put a lot of budget into like the lighting and colors for this episode because of all the bobbles. <laughs> the so bobbles. Bobbles. Yeah, and the only other thing that I'll say here before we kind of really jump into it is that this episode is not only great because it's about Caesar and I guess great's a maybe not the best word for it, but you know, it's it's about his death and everything and, and the impact that he has on Joseph and Lisa Lisa. But this episode also gives Caesar a moment to shine and actually proves that he is the skilled fighter that we keep hearing about. We heard it many, many times. He's talented, blah, blah, blah. But we never really saw him in action except for when he initially fought Wamu when the Pillarmen woke up, when they were awoken. Awoken. The masters were awoken. (laughs) Awaken my masters. Um, But then this also reinforces that Wamu is the fighting genius that the narrator keeps talking about. Um, very much out of Caesar's league. But I will say Caesar puts up a really good fight if it wasn't for the one fatal mistake that he makes, which I'm sure we'll talk about. 
Yeah, I mean, in previous episodes, like we've only seen Caesar as like this sort of side character, um, with the primary focus on Joseph. But yeah, I agree. Like it's it's great that this episode gives him a little more room to showcase his skills. And like you said, really, there's one part in particular that I wanted to highlight with him that just really shows that he is very skilled, just as Joseph is. Um, but yeah, in regards to what you were saying, there is just one particular flaw that, that kind of knocks him out of the picture. But yeah, it was a really great outing for Caesar. But unfortunately, I think he's 0-2 right now <laughs> against the Pillarmen. <laughs> Or that's his final record, I guess. So let's go ahead and delve into this depressing episode with our summary for part two, episode 11, Young Caesar. Friends, Hamons, countrymen, lend me your ears as I spin for you the sad ballad of our boastfully brave bastard, Shiza Zeppeli. After his papa leaves him at the age of 10 to fend for himself on the hard Neapolitan streets, they cross paths six years later when Super Mario Father sacrifices himself, saving Shiza from a trap embedded in the Pillarman's Colosseum carving. He instructs Shiza to inform Lisa Lisa of the impending threat, and thus begins La Vendetta di Shiza against his father's killers. Back in the present, as Shiza approaches the haunted hotel with Messina, they are suddenly attacked outdoors by Wamu, who uses the signs of wind to protect him against the sunlight elements and take Messina hostage within the hotel. Shiza, in turn, uses the science of bubbles to counter his opponent as an epic Pokemon battle ensues, the likes of which a matchup between Pidgeot and Blastoise could never match. Believing he has Wamu backed into a corner, Shiza launches a final attack but inadvertently casts a shadow over the Pillarman, thereby allowing the latter to fatally wound our inimitable Italian. Shiza then musters the last of his Hamon to steal Wamu's mouth antidote ring and seals it with his own headband into a blood bubble before a cross-shaped piece of sealing debris turns him into human tiramisu. Wamu decides not to pop the bubble out of respect for Shiza's firm resolve and disappears into the hotel as Josephu and Lisa Lisa stumble upon the aftermath of their fallen friend's final act. Cue the Hamon waterworks. And on to our next segment of the show is that a music reference where we document any and all nods, homages, and tributes that this extraordinary anime makes to the ordinary world of music. But let me save you some time, sweetie. There are none. <laughs> what <laughs> <was> the hell? <laughs> <laughs> my friend keeps saying that now, and like now it's it's affected my brain. <laughs> so <it's, laughs> I don't know if he'll ever listen to this, but that's for you, CK. <laughs> Um, what was this like the third episode so far where there hasn't been a true music reference? I wonder if we're gonna get many more in part two because I think about it and like in the, the subsequent episodes, we don't get a lot of new characters introduced. Well, in the preview, there's that one character. Oh, he does have a name, doesn't he? Doesn't yeah, he I don't. Say, he names himself or some shit. Yeah, I don't, I don't remember what, but I'm sure that's gonna break the streak, and then it'll just go back to nothing until part three. Yeah, and um, then we'll get a lot of other types of references yeah so i just injected one that i could think of again just off the top of my head you know with caesar battling wamu inside the hotel you could have referenced hotel california oh you can check out anytime you like but you can never leave which is the case for <laughs> caesar oh boy but um i guess outside of music reference i guess you could consider that the episode makes a video game reference 
because Caesar's father is named Mario. I'm yes. sure that was intentional. Yeah, very Italian of the. <laughs> yeah, and plus he's got the black mustache, and I think in his final sacrifice scene, he has like a red hat on. Oh my god! Yeah, they just needed the you know the pipe sound effect as he gets sucked <laughs> into the car, like the bloop bloop bloop. <laughs> yeah, I got nothing, folks. <laughs> <laughs> well, now it's time for the JoJo meme rundown, where we list each new JoJo meme that appeared in this episode. And oh boy, it's a biggie. The one and only meme that I am aware of that is in this episode mm. is probably the most emotional JoJo meme in existence. And that is when Joseph screams, She's with that amazing animation panning down his face just tears streaming down his face his like mm -hmm. facial features amplified it's it's epic you usually see this meme coupled with like something really depressing and then it's just joseph crying my favorite though is actually some some videos i've seen on youtube where i don't know in the video something falls on top of someone and then they just suddenly cut to shit of joseph screaming and crying and it's just it's perfect it works great every single time i think my favorite is when there was a mattress that was propped was up against the say. wall i think yeah. you've seen this one too yeah there's a mattress propped up against the wall and for some reason this person is filming their child their their toddler kind of walking around walks up to the mattress and i i don't know if they grab it or if they just like hit it and it literally just comes falling down on the kid. And I hate to laugh because the kid probably got hurt to a certain degree. But uh, the uh, the video then cuts to Joseph screaming, she's <laughs> it's so bad. Yeah, but I think that's my favorite example of like the, the meme being used. <laughs> I remember like the kid makes some noise right before the mattress falls. And it just cuts to, to the screen. It's just, oh, uh, the internet is great. I also want to shout out um, Joseph's voice actor, Tomokazu Skita. Of course he would. Because he's awesome and I love him. But also, um, we had an episode where we reviewed the JoJo event that happened in April, April of yeah. this year. Um, where they secretly announced, well, not really secretly, but they announced part six of this event. Um, I can't remember what it was called, like the Joestar Inherited, Inherited Soul, Soul event. Inherited Soul, yeah. And during this event, um, for anyone who listened to that episode, you'll probably recall that we talked about the live readings that each of the JoJo voice actors did. I think the the fans voted on like the number one scene from each of those parts. And the number one scene from part two was Caesar's death. So Tomokazu Sugita got on stage and did a live voice acting read of that scene. And they, they zoomed in on his face when he started screaming Caesar. And you could just see the intensity, like his face turned red. Mm -hmm. And he even started drooling a little bit because he was just like screaming and like so emotional. And and I'm pretty like, sure he was tear or like tearing up. Too. Yeah, he, he was really into it. And I was so impressed because you never get to see that side of voice acting. You never get to see what goes into it. Um, so to see him put like put his all into something that he's already done before and do it again so well for the i would say for the audience but for us watching at home because it was a uh, an empty empty venue um it was awesome i thought it was so cool and it just gave me like way more respect for for him as a voice actor someone i already loved now i love him even more mm -hmm. yeah i was gonna say like because a lot of people think you know voice acting you're just talking into a mic but it really does require the the like the voice actor to become like a, a real actor in front of a camera where they're they're pouring their heart out and their emotions out 
And you can clearly see that with uh, Tomokazu Sugita when he performed this live. Um, so yeah, it just makes you, like you said, uh, makes you appreciate the art of voice acting even more. And as always, if we missed any memes from this episode, please don't hesitate to reach out to us because we want to make sure we honor every single JoJo meme. All right, so let's get into it. First things first, why do all of Caesar's siblings look so plain with their brunette hair, and yet he's blonde with green eyes and pink marks on his cheeks? He's the someone explain, sheep. yeah, someone explain <laughs> this to me. Do they come from different mothers or something, or did he just have like different genes inherited? <laughs> it's kind of like the thing in real life where you can easily spot the JoJo character. <laughs> I think that's what that's meant to be. Is it that meme where it's like the jo- or the uh, the stand user just, could be anyone, yeah. and it's like the stand user just looks insane. <laughs> I have to call out, this is not really a meme, but this was a running joke on um, the r shitpost crusaders subreddit for a little while. And it's the line where uh, the narrator explains that when Caesar gets older, I think when he's around 16, he becomes part of the mafia, right? Or no, he's just like a very feared delinquent that even the mafia is afraid of him. Oh, okay. So he's he's rough around the edges now, right? And the narrator says, from theft to arson to assault, his lengthy criminal resume was missing only murder. And the joke is if he's done everything short of a murder, then he's probably done some really bad things beside that. I mean, they're saying he's literally done everything illegal and terrible short of murder. <laughs> I'm like, this mm-hmm. guy is terrible. <laughs> it it would have been different if they worded it saying his lengthy criminal resume was missing, you know, things like murder or something like that. But they said missing only murder. I'm like, shit, what kind of stuff was Caesar doing? <laughs> That's bad. I can't I can't even imagine. I'm sure we can't even name some of the things <laughs> that he could have done on this podcast. But you know, you can leave it up to your imaginations. But Damn, Caesar, you scared. <laughs> it's okay. He had uh, redemption by death, I guess. <laughs> yeah, and I guess it's kind of like you know, Speedwagon also started off as a as a criminal, as a as a delinquent. But this is like Speedwagon times a hundred. Yeah. <laughs> Although let's let's mention one thing: Speedwagon did try to kill Jonathan, so mm. he did attempt murder. But apparently, Caesar has not attempted murder. So there you go. That's that's one difference. But moving on. We also learn that, of course, Italians are proud of their family, but Caesar claims he doesn't have a last name when he's confronted by that one dude that he clocks with a wrench. Um, and that's important to know because we know Caesar is someone who's incredibly proud of his Zappelli name and, and his family and wants to do everything he can to avenge them and fulfill their, their lifelong goal of destroying you know, the mask and everything to do with the mask. Um, but here we see that he actually didn't start out that way, that it took an extreme event for him to make that that mental shift and just talking about that extreme event like i realize i mean it's already talked about in the episode but um it's caesar's father that saves caesar from touching the carving but caesar didn't or his father didn't even know that that was his son like i don't know it's something about that is just really crazy but it's a testament again to the the zeppeli i guess trait or also the destiny of them having to sacrifice themselves for others i find that very hard to believe though because yes i get like that's your son you would probably have like some some way of recognizing them even if you couldn't immediately say this is my child 
but this is Caesar we're talking about. Again, in a world of Italians who we all know have like darker hair, and I say this because I'm half Italian, mm. um, and they, you know, they have probably like brown eyes and all this stuff. Caesar has blonde hair and green eyes and pink marks on his cheeks. How do you not look at his fucking face and say, Actually, that's my yeah. son? <laughs> I noticed they that kept, is my son. Yeah, they kept putting that triangular pink mark under his like left eye um, when he was younger, and then that came across when he was older too. So it's like, how do you not recognize him? Yeah, I was going to say, don't you recognize the black sheep of your <laughs> <Yeah>. children? <laughs> well, anyway, I just think it's also crazy that the Pillarmen were in the Colosseum, right? That's where they were, the Colosseum, right? Mm-hmm. Um, and they, I don't, like, it doesn't make sense to me because they went to sleep like 2,000 years ago. Wasn't that, is that before the Colosseum was created? When was the Colosseum created? I don't know. Guys, this is like really going to test my knowledge. Let's do some research really quick. Well, while you look that up, um, wouldn't anyone just walk up to the wall and get sucked in? I think that's probably the point, right? They probably needed to feed on humans while they were sleeping to sustain themselves, perhaps. But it's just crazy to me that like somehow in the universe, the pillar men sleeping made their way to the Colosseum. And then they were just sucking people in. They weren't even on the inside of the Colosseum. They were on the, on the outside. Like a passerby could have just gotten sucked into the wall. Well, you see the diamond flicker. I don't know if that was them trying to entice Caesar specifically. Although, yeah, they could have done that at, on other occasions because I'm sure like that's they want to absorb humans in order to feed themselves, right? Yeah, that's that's my assumption anyway. Um, Wikipedia says that the Colosseum was built in 70 or 80 ad oh (laughs) (laughs) so yes i guess that is uh that is something that could logically technically happen (laughs) yeah although wait back up what what year does this take place when was caesar 16 years old (laughs) um this part takes place or yeah part two takes place around 1936 if i read correctly okay fine yeah so it probably could have happened then yeah that's about 2000 years before (sighs) all right that's fine (laughs) that's fine okay well moving on (laughs) now that i've gotten schooled about the coliseum um yeah i just think that it's it's wild that that this whole situation is unfolding but the important you know takeaway from this is that Caesar has a change of heart and aligns with his Italian pride, with his Apelli name, and wants to uphold everything that goes along with that and fulfill the lifelong goal that he wasn't even aware of because his father left them when they were pretty young. I was going to say the lifelong goal of dying. Oh, yeah, that too. Because, <laughs> yeah, obviously here it's a Zeppeli resorting to a grim fate, and then history repeats itself in this episode later. Um, I wanted to correct myself. It's actually 1939 when this part takes place okay so within the throes of world war ii obviously yeah and then we flash forward to present day and joseph as the amazing character he is indirectly apologizes to caesar after lisa Lisa explains everything that we just learned in this flashback um, as to why caesar had such a visceral reaction to joseph saying actually we shouldn't just barge into the hotel we should play it safe Um, but it's sad because he never gets to apologize to him directly it's it's kind of like this bittersweet moment. But at least Joseph now understands why Caesar blatantly ignores the trap and blatantly ignores his warnings um, about not going to the hotel, especially by himself. Yeah, and I think that's also just connected to Joseph realizing how important family is, not only his own family, but um, recognizing that like there is this familial connection for Caesar to, to carry out this mission. Um, 
which is weird. You know, it, it's just weird because Joseph didn't come to that realization before, although we were mostly talking about like ancestry um, in terms of family, but like it's still his his father in this case. Yeah, I think after hearing the story about Caesar, Joseph starts to realize like, okay, I get why he's doing this and I should probably do the same for my grandfather, Jonathan. Because I think when he apologizes indirectly, he says, I'm so sorry for insulting your family. Um, and yeah, I think it's all kind of coming full circle for him. He understands where this passion comes from that, that Caesar has around his family and you know, destroying the mask and all that fun stuff. And so they decide to assist him by just sauntering over. I know. Oh, my God. It kills me. <laughs> but um, I will call out that one of the craziest fucking plot armors of this part comes out when Wamu can walk in sunlight. And I don't understand it. He's covering himself in air so he can literally go out in direct sunlight that they've chalked up to being like the ultimate weakness of the pillar men. The way Caesar explains it, he like cloaks himself in vapor from his lungs that refracts the sunlight away from his body, which also makes him transparent. And I'm like, I want to ask a scientist if this could ever be possible. It might be. I don't know. But to me, that that seems pretty, uh, pretty far fetched. Yeah, what's that subreddit called that you you go on? They did the math or whatever. Yeah, they did the math or ask science. I think those would be two great ones for us. Yeah, to ask. I wonder if that question was ever posed. I'm sure there are probably a lot of questions um, that we could ask in those subreddits related to JoJo and JoJo logic. Yeah, especially <laughs> the last one with that the cliff falling or whatever. Um, but yeah, there was <laughs> there was a quite a lot of science in this episode and i'm curious if rocky had just had consulted someone about whether or not these abilities of the pillar men or even of what um, caesar does with the bubbles if they were really practical i would guess no considering <laughs> how long he makes all of his free falls going back to the the tower with uh jonathan and dio fighting and then going back to the cliff with cars and joseph fighting that mm -hmm. alone makes me think he probably didn't but who knows i could be wrong he just looked really quick inside an encyclopedia like, okay <laughs> I'll, I'll run with that he's he's building his own world it's it's all right um but i think another moment of jojo logic is when they say that caesar's bubbles can cut through wamu's insanely fast wind speeds that's another part where I'm like, I don't get it. I could see in the initial part of their fight where he's got like the vapors around him and I guess he's sucking air towards him. So yes, the bubbles will fly towards him. But I think at a later part, he's blowing air away from him. Yet Caesar's still able to launch all of his bubble hamon at Wamu, even though Wamu's wind is like as fast as a tornado. I don't fucking know. I'm still annoyed <laughs> that his ability is centered around bubbles. <laughs> Maybe it also just accounts into like the the weather. Like it's in a colder climate, so the bubbles are more lethal. I don't They're know. They're like semi frozen. Yeah. I know we've done that out here in Chicago in our brutal winters. You blow a bubble and it freezes in the in the middle of the air. That's always fun. <laughs> <laughs> but anyway okay so then wamu he comes out and he's like you know half transparent and shit and he like looks around and he says where is that audacious loudmouth?" and i laughed so hard because i'm like we already know he's talking about joseph <laughs> and clearly wamu's excited to battle him but it's just such a funny way to describe joseph where is that audacious <laughs> loudmouth?" that's probably yeah, one of the best uh bits of dialogue in this episode besides the she's a scream <laughs> 
Yeah, that's part of the reason that Wamu has his plot armor in this episode is because he needs to make it to his battle with Joseph, which is probably more insane than this battle will ever be. (laughs) And I know we brought this up um, during our second viewing because the group thought that cars would be inside the hotel, but then obviously we learned that it's Wamu with his weird light refracting ability. Um, But I think Wamu comments later on after the fight that he had... I think, beaten cars to the hotel, right? Yes. He says, I'm glad I beat cars here because if I hadn't, cars wouldn't have lost, but he would have taken significantly more damage from Caesar. And then I was like, wait a second. That doesn't make sense. Yeah. So is cars also just sauntering over to the <laughs> hotel at this point? Or maybe this will be addressed in the next episode. I don't know. But but the reason that we're, we're taking some some pause here and kind of thinking this one through is because in the next episode i'm pretty sure by the end of it if i remember the next episode correctly i'm pretty sure by the end of it lisa lisa and joseph like walk into a room after kind of venturing through the hotel and cars already sitting there with wamu mm-hmm. so unless he used like another entrance or something like, like the employee entrance of yeah. the hotel. <laughs> something here isn't quite adding up because i'm pretty sure joseph and lisa lisa aren't walking around that long Mm-hmm. So, yeah, I don't know. Some some timing of this is a bit off, I'm guessing. This battle overall between Caesar and Wamu was pretty exciting. I, I enjoyed watching it. Um, and I normally don't care much for the narrator popping in at random moments to tell us absolutely random facts that like really don't <laughs> add any value or any importance to the story. But here, I felt like the, the narrator actually did have a lot of important things to say beyond, of course, Caesar's backstory. In the fight itself, you know, he clearly stated that Wamu is a fighting genius, and Caesar is reminded of that multiple times in this fight. But then he also gives Caesar a lot of credit by saying, you know, Caesar was able to do X, Y, Z, and he instinctively went into the cat pose, which is foreign to him, but he knows how to fight or whatever. Um, And I I think that really helped to understand, as we mentioned earlier, um, that Caesar is the skilled fighter that everyone claimed he is, and he hasn't really had a moment to shine. But then Wamu is equally, if not more skilled of a fighter than Caesar is, which is why the fight ended the way that it did. Yeah, although the way I viewed this whole thing was, as I kind of mentioned in my synopsis, it's like a glorified Pokemon battle. Because <laughs> it, it's just them putting their abilities to the test against each other. But yeah, obviously... We, we finally see Caesar being a formidable match against Wamu in this case. Um, and, you know, as, as much as the science is kind of fucked up in this episode, I thought it was really smart of Caesar to, again, use the bubbles to his advantage, which, again, I think is the stupidest fucking power you could give to a Hamon <laughs> user. But, again, like, even Wamu is just very impressed by what Caesar has to offer in this fight. What's a dumber flex? Um, Caesar with his Hamon bubbles or is his grandfather punching that frog in part one? See, at least his fa- his grandfather was punching something. <laughs> <laughs> but he was punching a frog to prove that Hamon can travel through that and destroy the rock beneath it. No, but he's not blowing bubbles. <laughs> <laughs> That's fine. Okay. <laughs> yeah, bubbles aren't are like the least menacing weapon that you could probably come up with in anime. It reminds me of I don't you've probably seen the video before of the like the haunted creature who like kills people with a spoon. Oh, you remember that? are you talking about salad fingers? 
No, it's like this video. Like my friends would watch it like once a year, just because. Like it's the most. I forgot what the video is called, but like the most. Um... Wait, I don't know why I said salad fingers. Does salad fingers even carry a spoon? I just thought of something creepy with weird fingers, and I thought I thought of salad fingers. For anyone who understands or remembers real early internet content. Okay, I just found the video. It's uh, the horribly slow murderer with the extremely inefficient weapon. That's oh. <laughs> it's um. just it's this like haunted specter that goes around killing, trying to kill someone with a spoon, and that's how I view Caesar's <laughs> ability. Just a very inefficient use of Hamon. But again, he uses it very efficiently in this episode. I think it'd be cool. So I I get he like whips them into like a disc almost like the the what do you call it the g forces of whipping the bubbles kind of flattens them out into discs, right? Mm-hmm. Like I can see that. I'd almost think it'd be cooler if you found a way to shoot them out like bullets, which would be yeah. weird because bubbles are really slow, but if you charge them with hamon, maybe they could be launched out like bullets instead. Like that might be a cooler like use of the the bubble power. But what I find very odd is when he kind of like, I think this is the part where he and Wamu are fighting outside. He he like slaps his two forearms with his opposite hands and then kind of like spreads his hands out across his forearms and then to, across his like palms. And then he makes a bunch of bubbles, right? Insinuating that mm-hmm. he's got like soapy water all over his forearms and his hands. It's so weird. Cause I'm like, <laughs> you're walking around touching things and other people with like soapy water all over you. Caesar's very hygienic. He's coated in some shit to make bubbles, but then it's like he's touching everything with you that. That's going to be uncomfortable. Yeah, you got to consider that he washed himself clean, his hands clean, right before he took out that antidote ring from Wamu's yeah. mouth. <laughs> yeah, that is true. At least he's uh he's always got soap and water on him at all times. Bill, why not make his ability something like a water gun? I think I mentioned that before. Or even like ice. Like That sounds a little bit more lethal and more sinister of an ability to have it instead of bubbles. I mean, he does make that water gun reference to Joseph when he explains how to concentrate your hamon right. and then shoot it out from single point. So that would have been a good segue into, you know, a cool water-like ability. But yeah, no, we're, we've got bubbles. You know, he makes it work. <laughs> he does that cool thing where he... He has a technique. <laughs> he, he does that cool thing where he kind of, I don't know, spreads bubbles all over the place and then they become like light refractors so that yeah. he can bring light from outside into the hotel and then attack Wamu with that. So if anything, that was probably the coolest use of his bubble power. Yeah. That and when he when he trapped Joseph inside that giant bubble when they were fighting in front of that fountain, that was probably the other cool part. <laughs> right. Give SpongeBob a run for his money. <laughs> so speaking of the bubbles in the air and the light pouring into the hotel, um, we got to call out that Caesar almost fucking won that fight. Mm-hmm. That epic fight was was amazing. It was fun to watch. And he almost had the victory, but he made a simple mistake, a lethal mistake, which was jumping in front of Wamu and blocking the direct sunlight with his body. And then the narrator comments, Wamu, the fighting genius, then takes advantage of that and fucking wrecks Caesar. And his fate is sealed. And that's what's crazy. Like, Caesar was right there. He was right fucking there to the point where Wamu had, like, no other options, right? Like, that, like he was about to accept death until that last second. And I think, again, that's just a testament to how badass Caesar really is 
in comparison to Joseph because they obviously they're both very badass characters when it comes to using Hamon. We've seen it more with Joseph because we've seen him utilize the ability more uh, against these opponents. But yeah, that's just the craziest thing. Like Caesar, he was right fucking there. <laughs> yeah, and going back to his his fighting ability, I. Similar to Lisa, Lisa, I would love to see, would have loved to see more of Caesar's fighting abilities. Again, mm-hmm. all we really get are the moments where he and Joseph kind of go at it, right? Um, or when he first encounters Wamu, but he's quickly defeated. Um, and then he has that quick moment where he works with Joseph to get rid of ACDC when ACDC takes over Susan Q's body. But he never has a real solo moment to shine like this until his very last episode in the show. Mm-hmm. So knowing that he's this badass of a fighter and can use the dumbest weapon in the coolest ways, I, I feel kind of sad that we didn't get to see more of that and that he didn't have more chances to showcase anything. And I say that even more salty because Lisa Lisa has zero chances to do that, as we'll find out in a few episodes. I think another thing that's just a testament to how strong-willed of a fighter Caesar is is even after Wamu wrecks the fuck out of him with the the rude sandstorm or whatever, <laughs> like he gets back up and you can see the blood that's just pouring out of his body and Wamu mentions like I've torn all your muscles or whatever apart and like yeah the the blood's pulling down the stairs but Caesar just gets back up and just weakly punches at wamu kind of like uh in the first pokemon movie when that clone pikachu it's like, like slapping s- the real pikachu and he's like slowing down because <laughs> yeah, he's so exhausted but, i remember watching that in theaters too and i was like oh <laughs> <laughs> but yeah caesar gets back up despite his ravaged body and he uses the last of his strength and obviously the last of his, his hamon um, to, to try and best his opponent until he makes the ultimate sacrifice. I think arguably this is one of the saddest deaths in all of JoJo anime. Again, not not knowing anything about parts 7 and 8 um, and having read part 6, I would still say that this is one of the most dramatic um, mm-hmm. deaths and moments after a death. I would say another one is probably part 5, um when you know who dies and narancha is like freaking out and he doesn't want to leave his body that's pretty sad too but even even still i would say it's still slightly less dramatic than caesar's death and joseph's reaction because again let's kind of run through what happens here like they take the time to show caesar as you mentioned hitting wamu with his with barely any strength just like really sad pathetic um punches wamu respects caesar so much that he doesn't even try to stop him from doing that he doesn't try to try to stop him from grabbing the lip piercing he doesn't destroy the blood bubble he even says that i respect you and i consider you a friend which is pretty impressive um caesar recalls the story of his grandfather giving his last time on to jonathan his own father sacrificing his life to save him and then has that resolve to you know give as you mentioned give his final hamon to um joseph to kind of keep keep the fate going i guess (laughs) Um, and then not only a piece of the ceiling, but a cross-shaped piece of the ceiling mm-hmm. comes crashing down on him. Like, talk about symbolism. Yeah. And then you've got the blood bubble floating in the air with, um, you know, it's charged with hamon. It's filled with not only the piercing, but his headband. And again, this is a blood bubble. It could have just been a regular bubble charged with hamon, but they made it that much more dramatic by making it a bubble of his own blood. 
And again, Wamu decides not to destroy it out of respect for Caesar and his warrior spirit. And I do want to call out that this is the blood bubble that you see in the OP, but you don't realize what the hell it is until you get to this episode. And then you look back and you're like, oh shit, they they showed us the blood bubble like from episode one. Yeah, we were spoiled the whole time. <laughs> and even the shot after where um, Joseph puts on Caesar's headband, you know, oh, that's yeah. never explained obviously until this part. So yeah, OPs are spoilers. <laughs> it, it took the OP from being just like this really fun um bright colored op with a great song to like a really fun great bright colored op with a great song with a moment where you're like oh <laughs> like that blood, the blood bubble comes up and you're just like oh that's right he died <laughs> it's like when reality hits you like man <laughs> i think i wrote a note here like after um uh, caesar's death where the cross like, like you said like what symbolism there with Caesar representing sacrifice and dying for Joseph's sins. <laughs> um, but I wrote, like, the Zeppelins are basically this universe's Kenny from South Park. Yeah, I can see that. <laughs> it's it's funny, but it's sad. And obviously, like, they amp up the sadness um, in this final scene. And to kind of continue with how dramatic this, this death and the after moments are, um, finally, Joseph and Lisa Lisa make their way into the hotel, and you're you can probably talk to this more than I can, but the opera music starts or the aria or whatever. Yes. And if I recall correctly, you'd mentioned to me earlier that this is a song written specifically for JoJo, right? Right. Um. So I would say this is my other favorite thing about part two is just this specific song. Um. My first one is <laughs> Stroheim. And the stupid Brakamonoga <laughs> scene. But I would say, like, this song is my second favorite thing to come out of part two. So the song is called, in Italian, Il Mare Eterno Nella Mia Anima, which translates to The Eternal Sea in My Soul. And it was an aria, again, specifically written for this show by the composer for part two, Taku Iwasaki, with, uh, I think, the lyrics written by Kano Kaori. And it was performed by Japanese actor Kohei Yamamoto, who apparently, like, he wasn't involved in the show at all. He didn't voice any characters, but he's appeared in, like, a couple of Kamen Rider shows. I think he's also just a noted, like, operatic singer. Um, but, yeah, that's the crazy thing. Like, this song was written specifically for this moment. Or I guess it, it's Caesar's, like, default theme because you hear it in his very first scene at the restaurant with the uh, Oh, you squid, do? Yeah, the squidding oh, pasta. Oh, I didn't realize that. Yeah, it's uh, like an instrumental version. And I think you hear it a couple other times, especially when he's like flirting with, I think at the fountain, he's flirting with a woman or something. Um, but yeah, it's not from like Rigoletto or Madame Butterfly or anything like that. They wrote it for the show. I think that's just the craziest thing. Uh, but it, it's it's fitting and like just to kind of tie it back to opera people have compared it to another aria called Nessun Dorma which is by the opera composer Puccini and it was popularized by Luciano Pavarotti if everyone's familiar with that singer but I think what makes this scene so great is that they they use this song so effectively even though a lot of the reactions like the emotional reactions we get out of joseph are hysterical and even lisa lisa 
the moment that you know the the, the stupid Shiza face falls in, that's where like the crescendo of of this song appears, and it just shakes you to your core. Like yeah. every time I hear it, like I I get goosebumps, and you know, like I'm also on the verge of tears, but. It's just odd because, like, why would I cry for this this fictional anime <laughs> character? But that's that's just the effect of this music um, on me and on on the viewers as a whole. And that's a, another reason. Going back to the the finer details um, of JoJo that really amplify how how great this show is, and and as you know, fans who've watched it multiple times, it makes us appreciate each episode that much more this song is another example of that i mean again to to write an aria just for one specific scene a very dramatic scene they didn't need to do that right Mm -hmm. but they did that as just a way to amplify this this whole moment and and really kind of hit home with all of that and it's just every every little bit leading up to as you mentioned the the climax of the scene which is joseph screaming caesar as the song's building up in the background you have Joseph who's, you know, he sees the blood bubble. He he grabs the, the headband and the piercing and he says he's too scared to call out Caesar's name for fear of no response because he, he knows in his heart that he's gone, but he can't accept it. And then Lisa Lisa tries to play it cool, but doesn't realize that she's smoking her cigarette backwards. And then we see one of the most calm and composed characters break down into tears when she when she realizes that Caesar's body's underneath that cross-shaped ceiling part, that rock or whatever you want to call it. Mm-hmm. And then um, just like every every last thing co- that leads up to that, every moment of Joseph's dialogue, how he says Lisa Lisa needs to try and keep it cool, but she's probably hurting more than I am because she knew Caesar way longer and they had a pretty close relationship. Um, and then even after the climax of Joseph screaming Caesar, it continues to be very sad as the, slow, the song slows down because then the narrator comes back in and says, you know, Caesar will be missed. He was a great character or whatever the fuck. I can't remember what he says, but then he says like, rest in peace. And it's just, oh my God, you don't get that from any other anime death scene. I mean, there may be some in existence, but nothing that I can think of where they spend this much time building up to the moment that, you know, the characters break down at his death. And then they still kind of give you a little bit more as they close out the episode saying like, rest in peace, Caesar. Yeah, and I'm pretty sure they they didn't cut any of this song like the the entire song plays and it's like a three minute song during this whole sequence and yeah it's just again it's very effective and a very good use of the score for this scene um and you know like just to hit the nail on the emotional head even more the final lines of this song in italian or translated from the italian are my soul shall never die it is immortal it is no use shedding tears for me. So like for that to come up at that precise point where we see Joseph and Lisa Lisa lose it, I think it's kind of like Caesar just telling them like it'll be okay. And it's just like, man, like knowing that context, it's like you appreciate the scene and the music a little bit more. And I was actually just curious. I wanted to see if there were any live performances of this song, even by the actual singer, but there aren't any on YouTube. There aren't even any covers by, you know, weeb artists. <laughs> weeb artists. <laughs> Opera weeb artists. But, I, you know, I would love to to see even someone like, um, who's that blind opera singer? What's his name? I have no idea. Andrea Bocelli. 
Oh, that guy. Yeah, yeah, yeah. Yeah. Okay. yeah, I would love to hear him sing this song randomly. And like, <laughs> I, don't, I don't know if he would do like a, a concert at an anime convention, but, you know, just someone within that, that sphere of the music industry just perform this. Like, I, I don't know. That would just just be so cool. It's honestly a beautiful song. Like mm-hmm. just listening to it um, off the soundtrack, like it's it's really nice. Like. I, I don't know when I would put it on because I don't want to be depressed at any moment. <laughs> but when you do hear it on its own, it's it is a very beautiful song. And for anyone who claims that JoJo is a shitty anime, I'm sorry. Like you, you gotta lay down things like this that that really prove that yeah, JoJo on the surface is stupid. It looks ridiculous. It's over the top. All the characters wear fucking weird ass outfits, and they're they're either really beefy or really crazy looking. But when you actually appreciate the show for what it is and you, you dive deep and you, you sit through each and every episode, you find this appreciation for the way everything comes together and the way everything is executed in the show. And I just like, I can't, I don't know why anyone would say it's shitty. There, this is not mm. a shitty show, okay, man? It has its own opera song for one of the most dramatic deaths in the show. Yeah, I was going <laughs> to say, what other show would have decided not to pick like a beautiful opera song from like the hundreds or even thousands of operas out there, but instead say, you know what, let's just write our own (laughs) and just make it really elegant. Like this piece of music deserves a lot more attention. And as morbid as this sounds, I would love to hear this at my own funeral. Oh my God. (laughs) Knock on wood. (laughs) Because you know, it's, it's, it's just that great. Yeah. It's great. Jojo's great. And RIP Caesar. He's great. And by the very end of the episode, we get a slower start to roundabout. Yes. Me not being the music person, you being the music person. Hopefully, you're appreciating my 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 notes of uh, of what's going on with the music yeah. in this episode. I took note of it, but I'm glad you also took note <laughs> of it. But I, yeah, it's nice that it's a subdued part of roundabout that plays right after the, the aria ends. Can you imagine if like the aria ends and then they just go into like the most hype part of roundabout and you're like, holy shit, this transition. Yeah, it just gives you a moment to breathe after such an intense emotional scene. But after that, it just wells up back again and it reminds you like we're we're still in this fight against the pillar men. Then there's the preview for the next episode. And I believe the next episode is the one where obviously Lisa and Lisa and Joseph meet up with Cars and Wamu. And I think they make the deal about the um, Redstone of Asia. Like, I think, I think like Joseph has to go get it and Lisa Lisa stays behind. And basically what we, what we get from the next episode is Lisa Lisa's past, I believe. Yeah. When I saw this preview, I had no idea what was going on. (laughs) <laughs> I don't remember this episode very well. Yeah, because the preview shows like very nondescript moments. And so yeah. I think that's intentional because they probably don't want to spoil like what actually comes up. But I'm pretty sure this next episode is the one where we learn about Lisa Lisa's past, like at least some of her past. I feel like this is going to be a transitional episode. You know what? It focuses Trademark. on Lisa Lisa, most likely <laughs> if I'm correct. So I'm fine with that. <laughs> I think it's probably just going to connect us to the, the chariot race, the the, ep- the epic chariot race of part two. Yeah. Like <laughs> Which I can't, ass chariot yeah, race. <laughs> I can't wait for because that is another just crazy part of this part. And so we conclude this very depressing episode of Strictly Jojo with our final thoughts for part two, episode 11, that young Caesar who is not so young anymore. <laughs> but what did you think overall about this episode? 
I love it. I mean, it's bittersweet because of what happens to Caesar. But again, I, I the way that everything comes together, the fact that you get pretty much like a full arc um, for Caesar in one episode, but it never feels rushed. The pacing's on point, um, and you get you know a, a significant amount committed to the fight. You get some of his backstory, but then a good portion of it is committed to us seeing the impact that he had on the other characters and and their reactions to his death. It, it was all just done so well. Um, I wish more episodes in part two had the same type of pacing and um, content in one episode. Because we had talked before about other episodes that felt like they were meshing two parts of the story together in mm-hmm. one episode. Um, but here it's like you you get everything from start to finish in a dramatic and emotional and gorgeous episode with fantastic animation. So I think they just hit the nail on the head here in honor of poor Caesar, who's no longer with us. What about you? Yeah, I would say this is probably one of the best episodes of part two. I think it was a fitting and noble end for our homeland hero, tied down to, again, the the typical Zeppeli fate and like what a morbid destiny, but... I think Caesar accepted it gracefully. And again, the craziest thing is that Caesar only lost to Wamu on a single fluke. And that's, again, just an example of how really badass his character is. And it's unfortunate that we didn't get to see that a lot in this part, but he shines very much in this episode in his final curtain call, I guess. And, you know, it's it's probably the most significant event to really galvanize Joseph into really putting a stop to the Pillarmen. Um, and as I mentioned before, I don't know if there was any other moment besides the rings getting inserted into Joseph that really made him step up to the plate. And I think it's, it should be pointed out that Caesar made it easy for Joseph by grabbing the antidote for him. Like, what a good friend, right? Yeah, that's the last <laughs> thing. I mean, the last moments in Caesar's life were focused on helping Joseph succeed, just like his grandfather helping Jonathan to succeed in his final moments exactly. while his body was cut in half. <laughs> <laughs> and I think we touched upon this a little bit, but I like that the episode also plants the seeds for Wamu's respect for like honorable combatants or um, people that live by a very respectable, respectable warrior code. Because I was kind of thinking about it in this episode, um, like watching this at first, obviously you you see Wamu as part of the villainous group, right? But then he has a short speech um, in this episode where he mentioned when talking about Caesar, he says a strong warrior is the only truth. He had a brave heart and deserves respect. So it makes you really think: Is Wamu really a bad guy, or is he? was he only just doing as he was told and defending his masters here. And obviously this gets addressed um, in the upcoming chariot race. But again, I like that the episode just gives us a hint of Wamu's character and who he really is compared to the other two pillar men. But focusing back on the central character of this episode, to be honest, I don't find him as appealing as Baron Zeppoli, but you can't help but pour one out for the Hamon homie. So R.I.P. Shiza. And credits to his voice actor too. Um, Takuya Sato. I looked up his like um, anime list or whatever. He mostly played a lot of smaller roles in anime. 
like his list just says like he's a student in one show or a male character in another show. So is Caesar his biggest role? Yeah, Caesar and he plays this character called Toshiki Kai in Card Fight Vanguard, which I've never heard of. But yeah, I would say this is probably one of his most significant roles to date. And he was awesome. Yes. Just awesome. But again, rest in peace. and that wraps up this depressing episode 20 of strictly jojo if you enjoyed the podcast and would like to support the show then head over to patreon.com slash the strictly series and subscribe on your favorite podcast service so you can be notified when new episodes premiere every other monday follow us on instagram at the strictly series and on twitter at strictly series and connect with us there or on our website the strictly series.com to share your thoughts on jojo's bizarre adventure You'll also find more info on Strictly Anime, our other podcasts for anime reviews and discussions. Thank you so much for listening and sharing our love of JoJo. Stay weeb, everyone. To be. <laughs>